Well, good morning. You guys, I really believe in this. Um, we have done this for over a decade, and I don't get tired of it. The founder and president of Convoy of Hope, Hal Donaldson, has stood on this stage. Many of you have met him. He's a personal friend. And Convoy of Hope started because a drunk driver hit his parents and killed them. And their whole family went into social services system. And he, he just said, when I get big, I'm gonna make sure every kid in this system is treated with dignity and empowered. And that's how Convoy started. I just love that. And what it is, if you're not familiar, most of you have been around Timberline, you get this. But if you never have done it or been around it, it's pick a day. Pick a day in the next month of August to say, today when I go to work, I'm working for someone else, not me. I'm giving away my wage today. And I'm gonna put it in that offering August 5th or 6th or anytime that month. For some of you who don't have a job, you don't have to give anything. How's that feel? Give what you want. Uh, if you make 100 bucks a day, that's what we're asking you to consider giving. Just pray about it. If you make 1,000 bucks a day, you're fortunate. So uh, just whatever, however God has blessed you in that measure, that's what this is really about. But it's, it's funner and better if you pick a day that you say, this is that day. So everything I do today is gonna go to that. And people say, well, every time I come to church, they ask for money. Well, this isn't for us. We don't keep one penny of this. Matter of fact, it's, it's hard on churches to do this because you got a lot of people who give money they would normally tithe with or whatever, and so it's a challenge. But I believe God makes up the difference, amen? So we're a generous church, and we give a lot of money away, but it's to causes to help feed people, disaster areas, Convoy of Hope is everywhere, and I really believe in it, so I hope you're there. Last thing I wanna say is just today is Summit Day. That's an orientation to all of you who are new to Timberline or you've never come to Summit. My wife Bonnie and I are very excited to meet with you and to have you have some pizza with us, meet some of our pastors, our staff, and then spend about an hour with me and Bonnie talking about the philosophy of Timberline Church, what we do. We have childcare through fifth grade, so bring the kids. It's just gonna really be a wonderful time. That's gonna happen just here in a few hours back in the South Auditorium around 1240. Show up, you can sign up, or you can just show up if you haven't signed up, okay? And that's it. We'll look forward to having you there. Today, we have the privilege of, of continuing, actually wrapping up Mark uh, chapter 8. I'm loving going through this verse by verse. It's been really fun. Today we have some big statements that come out of Mark 8. Um, some of the biggest. It, this is the chapter and the moment when you have the great confession of Peter. How many of you know what that is? Jesus says, who do you think I am? And he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. It's like, that's a big one. That's a, that's a quotable. A little later on, down later in, in this ending of chapter eight, we have this moment when Jesus makes this profound statement that says, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. This is something that's on banners, it's on walls, it's on woodworking. Why? Because it impacts us in such a great way. So we have a lot to learn, but the biggest thing that I want us to get today is how all this comes about and what happens in the process, and here's the challenge. Let me ask you a question. Are your thought processes, just in a daily grind, 
Are your thought processes influenced more by the needs of the flesh or the desires of the spirit? Just think about that. How much of my brain is given to having a filter that really does feel the nudge of the spirit and I wanna make decisions that honor God versus good old number one. I did it my way. Right? And is there a balance? Like, and how do you know if you're in the balance? I'm a practical guy. I don't pray about what socks to put on if I wear them. Right? I don't think you have to make everything spiritual because some things aren't. But in a sense, everything is. We live in a world that's filled with flesh desires, and the Bible tells us, you know, don't don't live in a way that you fulfill the lust, the desires of the flesh, but live in a way that honors God. That all starts with the brain. So today we're going to see how sometimes we don't use our brains in a way that really honors God, even when we think we are. And so I want you to jump in here with me and think about the discernment that you have in your life, and if you're good at it. When you, do you get a message that says, hey, this is kind of, you're kind of leaning, that, I'm not sure you should be looking at that or reading that or talking like that. Is that the flesh in you? Is that a craving that's real? Or is there something over here that's a little better you could give your mind to? It's, 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 it's tough. First point in your outline, if you're following along with the app or on the screen, who is Jesus. Who is Jesus? Now this is where the great proclamation was made, Mark 8, verse 27, and below. Here's what's happening. Jesus and his disciples, they left Galilee, beautiful lake. They went up, it's like 25 miles or so, up to a village near Caesarea Philippi. Beautiful place, real rocky, some cliffs, some some spring, natural springs and water. It's a, a great combination of like desert water. As they were walking along, he asked them, who do people say that I am? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say you're one of the other prophets. And then he asked them, but who do you say I am? And it's Peter, of course. Peter replies, you are the Messiah. Some of the other gospels tell us that he said, you are the Christ, the the son of the living God. But Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about this. Now, the reason I think it's important for you to make a decision about Jesus is obviously it involves your eternity. That's the biggest thing. But you're in a country where you really need to make a decision. Now, let me just preface this. Not every country in the world, not every place in the world has the name of Jesus so prevalent. We know there are people groups in the world where they've never heard the name of Jesus. And we're one of those churches that wants to take care of that. Amen? We believe and we have missions and we're focused on trying to reach the world with this name, this person, the Son of God. But in America, you absolutely sort of have to decide what you believe about Jesus. Because his name is everywhere. Is he gonna be just a swear word to you? Because that's an option. Many people view it as just a swear word. 
Is he just a political figure? Boy, that's a big deal. You know, elections coming up. Everyone wants to use Jesus. <laughs> the good of Jesus. Everyone wants to use Jesus. People who don't even know who he is want to use him to get, to get you invited in, whether they believe it or not. Is he just a myth? Is he a good man? Some say he was just a really good teacher, but not fully God. Let me let you in on a little secret. Someone's not a good teacher if they say they're God and they're not. He was a, that, you would call that a liar. So you either believe that he is who he says he is or he is a liar. You gotta decide. And the reason this is important is because it involves your eternity. Apathy in this question is not a good idea. So if you're here today and you're on the fence, like, ah, that's, he's okay. You know, what was it, the Doobie Brothers? Jesus is just all right with me, you know. <laughs> yes, I had that album, I'm sorry, forgive me, Lord. <laughs> Jesus is not just all right with us. Jesus needs to be either God in your life or you haven't made a decision about your eternity. You believe it or you don't, so there you go. So it's very important that you get this right. What Peter said is right, he's the son of God. Here's the problem, number two in your outline, am I listening to Jesus? It's one thing to make this proclamation, like yes, he's Jesus the Christ. <laughs> and it's another to actually take that to heart and let it change my world, let it change my attitude, let it change my behavior. Will I do that? Verse 31, very next verse. Then Jesus began telling them, who? The disciples. That the Son of Man must suffer many terrible things and be rejected. Now he's about to do a list of everyone that they're supposed to respect. These are the religious leaders of the, the, the then known world. The elders, the leading priests, the teachers of religious law. This would be scribes, Pharisees, Sadducees, all the, the groups of people that were empowered to the religion that they believed. And then he said that he would be killed. And then he said three days later he would rise from the dead. How many of you could say that seems clear to you? Just be honest, just nod your head like this. Is that clear what he said? Do you guys get it? Did the disciples get it? <laughs> Go like this. <laughs> no. Did they just not want to believe it? What's going on in this text? It's so clear what he said. I mean, Mark, Mark is just telling us exactly, like word for word, what Jesus said, and yet they didn't really get it. Is it humanly possible that they were hearing a different message in their mind? Like maybe they were saying, well, Jesus uses like metaphors and symbolism. You know, he tells stories about farmers going out in the field and seed and birds come and get it. And maybe, maybe he's talking about a symbolic death or, or maybe he's talking about our will, his will's gonna die. Or I can see all kinds of reasons why they, they don't wanna digest what Jesus is really saying. It appears that they understood that Jesus was someone special because even they said, well, you're either John the Baptist or Elijah, or those are all special people in the Old Testament and John in the New Testament. 
So they knew he was a big deal. But let's respond to these words in our hearts of what we believe about Jesus and how we use Jesus. Did they, were they just using Jesus to be on that upper shelf in their own mind? How do I use God? Let's ask that question that way. Do you ever use the, the, the term God told me? <laughs> I wish. I kind of wish I could go back and like journal every time someone has told me as a pastor. They started the sentence with, God told me to tell you. It's like the trump card. Well, I mean, what, what are you supposed to do? I always, I always just get a little nervous when someone, someone says that. God told me. And so through the years, I've, 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 I didn't really make a list, but I've thought about some of this. The top one, you want to know the top one? God told me to tell you that you should hire me <laughs> as one of your pastors at Timberline. That's the top one more than 10 times, or that you should hire my nephew. He's awesome. <laughs> That's always a big one. I've had people say, God told me, this was, a, this was funny, that you should sell this building, this is right after we built it, give the money to the poor, starting with people like me. Another one said God told him that I was, we were supposed to pay off his house so he would have no debt and he could live free. How many of you are in for that? Let's go for that. I mean, I'll just. What is happening in, in that? Someone might be really sincere and what happens is our flesh track really want something, and so we try to blend it with the God line. We try to pull it up here. I really want that car, and I, I think God's speaking to me about it. I need that. So God wants me to have that. I feel good about it. I have a peace. Must be God. <laughs> this is... See, what happens is we lose that ability to stay sharp. If you don't practice every day this discernment line, you're gonna get, you're gonna get sucked into that flesh and you're gonna want God to buy you everything. It's, it's a materialistic world we live in. I remember I, I found a talent that I didn't know I had when I was in middle school. And they had a ping pong table in the gym and I started playing ping pong and then my parents actually had one in the basement and, and I really got into ping pong and I just, I just got really good at it. Probably because I practiced like all the time. It was just one of those things and I could play right-handed, I could play left-handed, I could beat almost anyone I ever played and then that went into high school and I won tournaments and every camp I went to, I had, I had like a whole wall of like ribbons and little trophies, you know, little plastic kind and, you know, ping pong champion, all this stuff. And so I, that was just something I did and every kid that came to our youth group as a youth pastor, it was always fun, you know, to just smoke them in ping pong and they, they, <laughs> They, they respected me instantly, you know. Um, but, but we had this guy in Grand Junction when I was a youth pastor there uh, who was like the city champion in ping pong, and he came to me and said, I've heard that you're really good at ping pong, and I'd like to play it sometime. I said, I'd love that. I hadn't played for years. 
I was busy being a youth pastor. And, uh, but I thought, you know, it's like riding a bicycle, right? And so we went to his place, and he had his whole like, room dedicated to ping pong. We'd go through the paddles, because it matters, you know. You've got to have the right paddle and, and all this stuff. And so we start playing with this guy. He was so good. I, I, just, I just literally, it was 12 to nothing before I got my first point. It was unbelievable. And here was the problem. I couldn't make a shot that I could always make. I would hit a return backhand and top spin it so hard and it dismissed the table by that far. Why? Because I hadn't played. I hadn't practiced. I wasn't on my game. And sometimes I do that with God. I'm like, yeah, God, it's like Samson waking up, feeling everything's fine. Bring him on. I got my power. I got my strength. No, I don't. Because I've been walking in the flesh. I've been letting this lust win. I've been letting greed win. I've been envious. I've been jealous. I've been gossiping. I've been doing these things that, that God does not honor. Wow. And I, I didn't even see it in my life. I didn't even know it. Bite your tongue. Don't say that. Don't think that. It's, it's just subtle. And that's what I want you to see, how subtle this is. Number three, the human point of view. And this is where this gets really practical. And it is, it is kind of funny because anytime Peter's involved in you know, dramatic moments in Scripture, it's just fun. I love him. The human point of view. So in verse 32, the next verse, it says, as Jesus talked about this openly with his disciples, in other words, that he's gonna die, he's gonna suffer, Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. So here's the disciple group. Jesus is teaching. Peter stands up and grabs him by the arm. Hey, you shouldn't be saying these things. What do you think you're doing? You're not going to die. Why are you telling us this? You're, you're bothering them. You're... you're you're taking their faith away. I even think, and, and this is, you can put whatever you want in there because the Bible doesn't make it clear, but I think Peter is kind of a tough guy. Remember in, in the garden, it's Peter who pulls out his dagger and cuts Malchus's ear off. Do you guys remember that? That's Peter. So maybe he pulls him aside and says, hey, dude, I got you. See this? That's me, man. I'm your bodyguard. Someone try to mess with you, they're messing with me, I'll take them out. Don't tell us you're going to die. Is that flesh or spirit? <laughs> Very much flesh. It took you way too long to say that. <laughs> right? Very much flesh. See, Peter thought it would be helpful to the Lord to let him know that he shouldn't say such things. Peter's putting his thoughts and his opinions out in front of God. Okay, God, I have this idea. I want you to bless it. How do we do this? Man, I justify behavior that I shouldn't whenever it's more convenient because obedience is way, way tougher. And then Jesus turns around and he he actually looks at his disciples. So he's over here with Peter, and Peter reprimands him, and then he actually turns back to his disciples because he wants them to hear what he's about to say. Verse 33. He looked around to his disciples, 
and he says, get away from me, Satan. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's point of view. I would say Jesus comes back quickly. That would scare me a little if I was Peter. Is he actually calling Peter Satan? Is he actually believe Peter is Satan? No. But, but here's what he's trying to say. He's recognizing that Peter is living out a very human, earthly, fleshly concept on this earth where Satan has dominion. And he's saying, Peter, everything you just said out of that fleshly, earthly dominion is from Satan. I'm not going to receive it. Get behind me. I know my mission, and I've got to do that, and you can't protect me from it. So how can I recognize when I'm in that battle zone? How can I recognize what my response should be? How much of Peter's thought process lives in my life as I journey with God. Let me ask you just two or three questions and you say the answer out loud, whatever answer you believe is true. Did Peter love Jesus? Did he commit to following Jesus? Does he think he's helping Jesus? So this is not a bad motive. And that's important for us to see. He's not being evil here. He's, he's trying to help. He's trying to jump in. He's trying to say, but, but I thought the kingdom looked like this. And sometimes I feel that way. God, why didn't you intervene in this? Why didn't you step in and take the bad guys out on that deal? And I don't always understand. How can I learn to stop and listen and pay attention? You know, I've told you before, you have to kind of walk through this and live this um, as you preach it. So all week I've been trying to, I made a little list for me. I didn't intend it actually to be in the sermon, but I had four little things. I thought, Derry, this is what you need to do. Number one was slow down. When I'm making decisions, I need to just slow down, pay attention, and not pull Jesus aside and reprimand him. I need to say, God, what would have happened if Peter would have pulled Jesus aside and said, hey, I think what I'm hearing you say is that you're gonna get beat up by the religious people. Did you actually say that or is this like a metaphor? And Jesus could have said, no, it's gonna happen. I think I heard you say you're gonna die. Yep, I am. But you're gonna come back from the dead? Yep, I am. Okay, I don't understand that, but at least now I know, right? Why is it that we rush to conclusion? Every sale that I've ever seen, every commercial trying to sell has something on it. There's an 800 number on your screen. Call now, the next four hours. You can call now, call now, call now, call now. You'll lose the opportunity. Buy the car today. Tomorrow's going to be gone. Now, now, now. Why? Because if you wait, you might think about it and not do it. So if I think about it, I'm posturing myself to hear what the Spirit's saying rather than the flesh. Get clarity. That was another one I put down, by asking questions. And I've already alluded to that. What if Peter had done that? Number three was just like lean into different ways of thinking. How can I listen more to you? Who, who is gonna counsel me? 
Sometimes I sit at our pastor's table, our deacon table, and I, I listen to men and women who just, they have the wisdom of God, and they, it's in that discussion that we find the way forward. This is how we can solve that problem. My idea was a piece of it, but man, it wouldn't have done it. But when you combine it with the wisdom and the counsel of many, something powerful happens. So don't be the lone ranger that thinks you have to make every decision on your own. Seek counsel when you're not sure. Is this the flesh? Should I be doing this? Should I be spending money here? Should I take this job? Should I get people involved? Let people help you, especially the ones that you trust. And then the last one I put down for me was just don't assume you're always right. You have a strong opinion about something. Now, I know probably you are usually right. How many of you are usually right? Just be honest. <laughs> yeah. Pay attention to that. Because we usually do think we're right. And that can get you in a lot of trouble. Um, is this in Scripture? We have the benefit of having the Bible. There's a lot of questions already answered for us of how to live, moral discussion, moral decisions. Um, you know, if someone says, I have a vision, I'm gonna rob a bank so I can give more money to missions. We would say, you know, that's probably really not what God is putting in your heart. Well, you know, I should sleep with this person to see if we're really compatible. Probably not really a good idea. The Bible's kind of already answered that concept. Well, I should lie on my resume so it looks a little better. Probably not a good idea. The truth is gonna come out in the end and you're gonna look a little foolish. How about, how about we trust the Bible that says do all things in truth? Why don't we, why don't we have some, some patterns in our life that are real stable builders that don't involve deception? How many think that's a good idea? Number four, grasping the divine concepts. Now this is where it gets a little tricky. How am I gonna grasp what is divine and what is flesh? Jesus helps us here by understanding the things in the world and the things that are not of the world, the things that are of heaven, the kingdom. So now he moves from Peter, we just read, it's just him and Peter, he turns to the disciples, and now it says in verse 34, calling the crowd to join his disciples. So come here, come on around. We've just had a little chat, <laughs> got a few things clarified, <laughs> and so now I want you to know, if anyone wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way Take up your cross and follow me. Everybody good? They're, they're looking at him like, what? He says, well, if you try to hang on to your own life, you're gonna lose it. If you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, the gospel, you will save it. You guys get that? And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul. What's he doing? He's helping people shift to the divine thinking side. Oh, this life is but a vapor. I am so worked up about what's gonna happen tomorrow that I forgot about the divine plan of God in my life. God is not near as nervous as you are. 
Matter of fact, he's not nervous at all. And he's got you. You've just got to believe it. Now, I believe in being proactive. I get sick, I break an arm, I go to the doctor, I get a cast, I've had many. I don't just say, well, God, this is your problem. Heal my arm. We need to be in participation with God. But it's very important that we understand this teaching of Jesus to deny ourselves. That means give up your own way and surrender. I've done this palms up thing so many times in front of you, but I found myself this week doing it again. I just, God, whatever you put in my hand, I'll steward it. Whatever you take out of my hand, I'll say goodbye. It's not mine. I can't ever do that. I can't ever grab it. I'm not the owner. You don't own anything. We're stewards of everything God puts in our hands. I'm trying to remember that. Deny myself. Um, work hard for God's plan. Take up your cross. All that means is find your place. Use your gifts. These people who are called to other places, they serve and serve day and places like that. Your workforce, your family, where, whatever it is, wherever God has called you, do it there. Meet a need. Let love live. And then follow me, not lead me. Don't get ahead of God and expect him to bless every step you take. Follow his steps. Get behind him. And see where he steps. See what he says. See what he, he delivers. And do the same. And these are daily decisions, you guys. You're never going to arrive. This is a tension to be managed, not a problem to be solved. It's a tension every day in my life to say, am I stepping where he's stepping? The last thing is number five, and that's just to heed the warning. It ends with a little bit of a, I don't like to use the word threat, but it's actually a promise. But it's not what everyone wants to hear. So that's why I've called it a warning. And Jesus says to the crowd, after he explains this, he says, look, if anyone is ashamed of me and my message in these adulterous and sinful days, then the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. What is he doing? He's saying, you need to decide how you're going to live and what you're going to believe in. You don't have forever. And when that day comes, it's too late if you haven't already made a decision. But, but God is love. He's, he's going to give me another chance. Well, he's giving you a chance right now. There is a day when you're not going to have another chance. Decide quickly. Make up your mind how you want to live. It's not a threat, but it's a promise. And God keeps his promise. And don't be ashamed to live out loud this gospel message in your life. doesn't mean you have to be weird about it. Hold a banner everywhere you go. Bust people over the head with your Bible. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about proclaiming that you have made up your mind who you're going to follow. And you're going to be in that tension every single day. To let the spirit win and not walk in the lust of the flesh and the greed and all the stuff that goes with it. Lord, I'm going to do my best to wipe this out of my life. And I'm going to stay on the side of trying to walk in you and your plan. And speak your words and live your dream. If you can do that, God will really help you. Let me tell you, let me just wrap this all up with one quick story. 
there was a guy who, who God put it on his heart to go reach a city. He kind of commanded him and said, you need to go to this place called Nineveh. JJ is the guy's name. Remember him? Jonah. Yeah, I think it was Jonah. How many of you know Jonah? And Jonah said no. It's not for me. And he actually gets on a boat and goes the opposite direction. Tarsus was over here, Nineveh was up here. <laughs> I love this story. It's like, it's almost like you think you can just run away from God and he can't see, like, oh, you're over there. You're an idiot. You know, no, God doesn't say that. Never mind. And he says, uh, and then the waves came. The waves always come when you run from God. They always do. It got so bad that they had to lose their stuff. Well, that's you and me. What, what do you want to lose by just not obeying God? If you've said you're going to follow him, do what he says. Or you're going to lose everything. That's what we just read. He lost all of his stuff, and a bunch of other people lost their stuff too. Do you think your denial of Jesus, your walking away from your vows, your truth, your life, you think it helps or hurts other people? Just think about it. Jonah had enough. He said, I'm the problem. Throw me overboard. They did. <laughs> that must have been hard. I'm sure there were a few guys on the ship saying, get him out of here now. <laughs> he deserves it. But then the great fish picks him up. That's not how I want to land, just so you know. Throws him up on the beach. He preaches Jesus. He submits to God and all of Nineveh repents. Why? Because God has a plan and it's not always what you think it is. And you might suffer doing his plan, but it's still his plan. Whatever you're going through today, he is with you. That's the promise he made. He's with you. He won't leave you or forsake you. He might not do it your way, the way you want, but he's with you. That's enough. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you're with us. You're really with us. I want that to be enough for me. In the illness, in the challenge, in the loss, in the fear, in the anxiety, you're with me. And I choose to think in the divine. I choose to let my thought processes be healed by the Holy Spirit of God. When the wounds of the flesh and hate and greed and lust try to win, bathe me, God, in your presence. With heads bowed in here, I'm gonna pray for those of you that would just simply say, I need a renewed mind. I need a renewed mind. I love God. I mean, you're here, you love God. I'm not saying that you're away from God. I'm just saying, you know this is a tension for you. Hold up your hand and, and put it right back down. God, I pray for these who have lifted their hand and put it back down. All of us in some ways could just respond to this. We need a renewed mind every single day. Let us see the trap ahead. Let's see it. Let us know. You're trying, Satan's trying to trap us and wound us and kill us. Destroy us, as the Bible says. But your grace is sufficient. You provide a way of escape. Thank you. We accept that by faith as we renew our minds 
as we feel the strength of your spirit as we move forward. And we give this back to you because we trust you fully. Lastly, I wanna pray for those of you who would say, I need Jesus, I need to make a proclamation. I don't wanna be ashamed of him. Some of you have been on the fence, you need to jump off today. Jump in, God is knocking on your heart. Pray this with me right now, if that's you. Lord, forgive me of my sin. I'm, I'm stepping all in. I'm gonna trust you with my future, my life, with everything about me. I believe you did die on that cross and rose from the dead, and I give you my future. Show me how to walk with you every day for the rest of my life. To the believer, I say, be mature. Let your light shine. Be salt, you guys, in this community, in your world, in your home, in your neighborhood. Thank God you are. Thank God we're making a difference. Lord, we give all this to you in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. I sure love you guys. I'm so proud of you. It's such a joy to be able to talk about Scripture like this in a country that allows us to assemble together reading some stuff about other countries. They just can't do this. They can't learn. They can't have people pray for one another. And I'm just so thankful that we have this in our nation right now. So live with gratitude. Amen? So why don't you stand with me if you're able and let's declare this song before we walk out of here today. Come on, sing it. Think about the words to this song. They're really good. come right now. You guys, they're available up here. Maybe some of you just need to seal the deal. Talk to someone. Don't be in a rush to get out of here. Come and let us pray over you. Summit starts in a few minutes. If you're new, Bonnie and I would love to have you join us. There's some tables in the mall with information about retreats, backpacks, all that stuff. And uh, if you're new, uh, come on into Summit or go by the Welcome Center. There'll be someone there to help answer any questions you have. Hey, let love live. Say it with me. Let love live. Thank you for being Timberline. Have a great week. God bless.